Welcome to Found in Space, a science podcast for kids and teens. We have another fantastic question, and that is, what is dark matter? Okay, so to understand what dark matter is, we need to start with, well, what is just matter? So matter, that's the stuff all around us, right? We are made from matter. When you take a deep breath in, you're breathing in matter. When you drink a glass of water, that's matter. The sun is made from matter. Stars are made from matter. So we say that matter is anything that takes up space and has mass. So having mass is another way of meaning it's made of stuff. So I know that sounds a little bit circular there. Mass is also, you could think of it as a form of energy. Now, some matter is visible to us, right? Look at your hand. Your hand's made of matter. It's oxygen, carbon, hydrogen, a lot of those things. But when you breathe in, the air that you're breathing in is also matter. And you can't see that matter. That matter is invisible to us, but we still know it's there. So how do we, how do we know that matter's there? Well, there's two main ways of knowing how matter's there. The first is that we see it, like with your hand. Or with a star, we look up and, oh, there's light coming from that star. Something like your cat. Well, your cat isn't giving off a type of light that you can see. Although creatures like cats and ourselves, we do give off light. We give off infrared light, but we don't give off visible light. And the type of light humans see is visible light. But we can still see our cats and dogs and ourselves because something that does give off visible light is shining and that light hits them. They're going to absorb some of the light, but they're going to bounce some of that light off. And then that light goes into our eyes. Now, sometimes we know something is there because it absorbs the light. So light goes and hits it, but not much light bounces off of it. But something like air, we don't see it at all. But we can see how air is affecting the things around it. So if we look at, say, a tree that's blowing in the wind, we know that the wind is there because of how the tree is moving in response. So let's scale this up to space. Now, with space, if we have something that has mass or is made of matter and it's in space, one of the things that it can do is that it warps the space, the shape of space-time itself. And that warping, that curve, is what we think of as gravity. The more of a hill, the steeper hill it makes, the stronger that gravity is. So something like a black hole makes an incredibly steep hole. It might as well just be a, just a straight hole right through the fabric of the universe. And something like the sun, 
Ooh, that makes a pretty steep hill, so a lot of gravity compared to something smaller like the Earth, or rather less massive. And even you and I, we actually are curving space-time just a tiny, tiny bit. So the more massive it is and the more dense it is, the more it's going to curve space-time. Now let's bring this back to dark matter. Now dark matter is called dark because we can't see it. We're in the dark about it. It's a mystery to us right now. But it's also dark because it does not appear to interact with light at all. So light just travels right through it. It doesn't bounce light off of it. It doesn't absorb the light. And it doesn't seem to give off or emit light at all. So if that's the case, then how did we ever even find it? Why do we even think it's there? Now, there's a few different ways that we found it or think that we found it. Reasons or lines of evidence that we have to support this idea that maybe there's this matter that doesn't interact with light. And the first one comes back to this idea of gravity that we were talking about and how things orbit in these gravity wells. So if you think about that steep hill that the sun's gravity makes in space-time. Well, if you're way at the bottom, right next to the sun, it's gonna be really, really steep. But if you're way far out in the Kuiper Belt or out in the Oort Cloud, it's gonna be a very shallow, it's a very, it's not a very steep slope at all. The closer you are to the source of the gravity, the stronger it's going to be. Now, if you're a planet like Mercury, and you're way down at the bottom of that well in that really steep part, you're gonna fall right into the sun. That curve is really, really strong. So in order to not fall into the sun, you've gotta travel forward through space faster than you're falling towards the sun. So that way you're always falling around the sun instead of into the sun. That's all an orbit is, is actually just falling around. Now, the steeper the curve is that you're on, the faster you're going to have to travel. The farther away you are, well, the slower you can go. And when we look at the orbits of the planets, we see that, well, Mercury has the fastest of them. It's going the fastest because it's the closest to the sun. It's the closest to that mass. And then Venus is going a little bit slower than that, but Venus is still faster than the Earth. We can keep going farther and farther out. By the time we get out to something like Jupiter, it takes Jupiter 12 years to get around the sun. And we go all the way out, we talk about Pluto. Pluto is almost 250 years. And ooh, we should talk about Sedna at some point. Sedna is an amazing dwarf planet that is in the thousands of years to go around the sun. Now this is important to understanding dark matter because this same pattern that we see in the solar system should apply to any other big gravity well. And you know, some of the biggest ones that we can find are those of galaxies. So when we look at how quickly stars are going around the center of their galaxy, we should be able to calculate how much mass is there based on how fast those stars are traveling. So we measure the speed of the stars as they revolve around the center of their galaxy, and that tells us how much matter is there. 
Now, we started looking at galaxies and noticing that the amount of matter that we could see, so coming from stars and nebulae and things like that, didn't seem to match up with how much matter should be there based on how quickly the stars were moving. In fact, it really didn't match up. So this means that either we're incorrect on how gravity works. This is possible, but it's probably unlikely because we have a lot of other applications that we use this in and it, they seem to work. Or that there's more matter than we can see. Or of course, perhaps our calculations are wrong as well. But again, we're doing this over and over again with many, many, many galaxies. So the conclusion that many scientists come to is there must be more matter there. There must be some sort of matter that we can't see. And if it was being absorbed, if the light was being absorbed, we should see that as missing light. We should see the clumps of that, right? If it was something that reflects light, well, then we should be able to see that or we should be able to see it giving off light and we just don't. So that's the first major line that we have, line of evidence we have for it. Now, another interesting one is something called gravitational lensing. So this is where the shape of space time, which is caused by there being mass there. So the gravity is changing the space, the shape of space. And as light travels through it, it distorts the shape of the light, or at least the picture of what would be behind that massive object. So it's like the lens, like the lens in your glasses or in a camera, that it bends the light as the light travels through it. Now we can use that. We can look up at the sky and we can find places where the light is being bent. And from that, we can figure out how much mass there must be for the light to be being bent in that way. And we can start to make maps of the whole sky and where there should or shouldn't be matter. And we find that there's lots of areas where there's a whole bunch of matter, but we can't see anything there. It's dark to us. Something's there, but we don't know what it is. So whatever this matter is, what we've been able to tell is that there's a lot of it and it's probably very, very spread out. There's many different ideas for what it might be. A very popular one is that it might be some kind of particle. So a little piece of matter that we haven't discovered yet. And scientists are trying to understand this by looking to observe more with telescopes, but also seeing if maybe in our particle colliders here on Earth, where we take particles and we smash them together at really high speeds, and then we look at the explosion and then what comes out of that, and see if maybe we can find these little tiny pieces in that explosion. But for now, dark matter remains one of the really big mysteries in cosmology. What is it? And is it here on Earth? Is it not? Is it only out there? Is it is it traveling through us now? Can we find it? And these mysteries, whether dark matter exists or not, is going to 
when we figure out that answer is going to help us understand our universe on a deeper level. And there's so much that can come from these these theories that we can't even predict. So I hope that in the next few years, we can do an update episode and let you all know what the new things are that we've discovered. Or maybe this might be what you discover in science. All right. Well, let's go ahead, pause here. Thank you so much for this fantastic question. As always, if any of you have questions that you'd like answered on the podcast, go ahead and have your grownups send that question to the link in the description box. And as always, I hope you have dark skies and stay curious.